I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be going over the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome, welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we are talking about unleavened bread, and it's also March 22nd, which is really exciting because that means there's only like a week and a half left of March, and then we move on to April. So I'm, I'm glad that we have uh, been blessed to have made it this far, and I kind of wanted to take a moment just to see how grateful I am for this time of year, especially for this season with all these spring feasts, because it, it takes, gives us a moment to take them to stop what we're doing and think about our lives and think about anything in our lives that we might need to let go and give to God, which is kind of, we're going to actually be discussing a bit of that today. When we talk about the feast of unleavened bread, once again, I'm going to encourage you to get this book, A Complete Guide to Celebrating Our Messiah in the Festivals by Susan Mortimer, because I'm basically going to be paraphrasing what she has written because it's so good. I cannot possibly say it in my own words um, any better than she has said it in her book. Um, you can probably get it used from on eBay or some other website. I, I'm not 100% sure, but if you want to know more about the feasts, this is definitely a book to help you along that way. It's, it is uh, based on biblical truths and not on human tradition. There are some human traditions, obviously man-made traditions in the book, but she typically is pretty clear about what's tradition and what isn't. So without further ado, we will get into the Feast of Unleavened Bread, also known as Chag Hamatzah. And it is from the 15th to the 21st of Nisan, which is April or March on the Jewish calendar. Um, so although we do eat matzah for Passover, Pesach on the 15th, I'm sorry, on the 14th, the Feast of Unleavened Bread does not begin until the next day. So we need to go over to Leviticus 23, 5 through 6. It says, during the first month on the 14th day of the month in the evening is Adonai's Passover. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Matzah to Adonai. For seven days you are to eat matzah. So this feast lasts for seven days. And instead of eating anything with um, leaven in it or yeast, um, you could eat things like matzah, which I think I mentioned last podcast, our family actually really enjoys we really like eating matzah. Eating a matzah sandwich is really fun. Eating matzah um, bark, which has chocolate and other yummy good goodness in it, which is terrible for you, but tastes really good, is also something that our, my children enjoy. And um, I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to make that, probably because I haven't actually bought the matzah yet still. So I really need to go out and do that before it's all gone, especially because we have to buy the gluten-free matzah because I do have an allergy to gluten. So... Um, that is something, an option for you. If you two also have, um, allergies, they have, um, I think I've even seen like egg free matzah, which I'm not even sure how that works, but, um, you know, they have it for different allergies. So I would check that out and see, you know, if you do have an allergy, if there's some, uh, company that might accommodate that particular allergy and might make the matzah for you or Pinterest is always a great thing to, uh, great resource to check out the different recipes for. 
Now we read in Deuteronomy that when we eat the unleavened bread, the matzah, we are to relive the sudden exodus from slavery in Egypt. Because it was only through the works of God that we were freed from our affliction. So in Deuteronomy 16, 3, it says, Do not eat it with bread made with yeast, or chametz, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, matzah, the bread of affliction, because you left Egypt in haste, so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. Obviously, we were not slaves in Egypt as the Israelites were, but we are still all in some bondage of some kind. There are many types of slavery from which we need to be freed. Fear, pornography, laziness, anger, addictions, illness, poor self-image, problems at work, the need for approval, our past. The list literally goes on and on. If anything keeps us from doing what God has for us to do, we need to purge it from our lives. Every year we need to see ourselves as slaves who need God's mighty power to set us free. You really will be amazed at God and what he could do for you if you are totally sold out for him and him alone. Now, how do we purge the house? We talked about this before and actually I'm really excited because I said last podcast, I have no idea why this is a tradition. The book actually has the answer and somehow I missed it. So um, the materials you'll need to purge the house of yeast. You need 10 bits of yeast, chametz, bread, a candle, a feather, a wooden spoon, and a piece of cloth. So this is what I talked about before. I'm like, I don't know why they use a candle and a feather and a wooden spoon. I don't understand this. But they actually explain it here. So the traditional ceremony of searching out chametz begins long before Passover with a spring cleaning which we talked about before. So obviously like scrubbing, scouring, cleaning everything and getting rid of all the grains and flour that can be used to make bread. Also really good opportunity to clean the rest of your house of dust and any items that you don't really need anymore. You know, get them out of your house. If you no longer use them, get them out. Um, the labels on all food packages are red to make sure they do not contain hametz. The oven must be clean. Now, remember, this is traditionally, so I'm not telling you you have to do all these things. Um, in fact, I don't do all these things. Um, and a new bag must be put in the vacuum cleaner. Everyday dishes are put away since they may have undetected yeast. So, so dishes that you use on a daily basis, you're evidently supposed to put away. And then you bring out dishes, utensils, pots, and pans used only for Passover. Once again, this is traditional. This is not something that you have to do. It's not a command. Um, in fact, we do not do that. Um, cleaning it obviously scours and gets rid of the hametz. So, um, I think that's kind of what we call overkill, but if you feel convicted to do so, then go for it. Um, all these things are done to make sure no yeast remains in the home during the festival. Now on the eve of the 14th of Nisan, the father takes all the loaves of bread and any other items containing yeast out of the house and with the help of the children burns everything in a bonfire with the house now thoroughly clean the mother places 10 small pieces of hametz bread here and there around the house when it is dark the father takes the children around looking for the bread by the light of a candle or lamp as each piece is found the father uses a feather to sweep it into a wooden spoon when all 10 pieces are found the father wraps the feather spoon and bread in a piece of cloth the next morning at about 10 o'clock the cloth and its contents are burned in a fire outside. So, you know, I said I would explain this to you. 
I was really excited when I read this. So in the Bible, yeast or hametz is a symbol of sin. Just as we cleanse our homes of yeast or hametz, we are to cleanse our lives of sin, hypocrisy, and wrong teaching. The candle represents the light of God's word, which bring which brings our sins to light. The feather represents the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, who sweeps us clean. The wooden spoon is the cross Jesus, or Yeshua, died on to carry our sins away. The fire that, that destroys the yeast, or hametz, is the permanent removal of our sins. For God will, will remember our sins no more. How awesome is that? That that's, those are the different... Um, items that signify and, and represent, um, Yeshua and the Holy spirit and the cross. And it just, it's amazing to me. We have never actually done that particular, um, tradition, at least not to my knowledge. My husband may have to correct me on that or not, but, um, I do not recall ever doing that, but I, to me, that sounds like a good tradition, especially when you explain what it means. If you're simply doing it just because it's tradition then it doesn't actually have true meaning. And maybe you might want to pray about whether or not you should do that tradition. Um, there are multiple places in the Bible where sin is called chametz. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul or Shaul warns about the chametz of sin. The church at Corinth proudly tolerated people who claimed to be believers, yet committed sins that horrified even the heathen. So Shaul reminds them that even a little sin spreads. In 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 11, it says, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little hametz works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old hametz that you may be a new batch without hametz, as you really are. For Christ, Hamashiach, our Passover, Pesach, Lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old hametz, the hametz of malice and wickedness, but with bread without hametz, the bread of sincerity and truth. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. So right here, he's even talking about Yeshua being the Passover lamb and also talking about getting the sin out of your life. Get rid of the old sin, the old, sin, the old yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without sin. So the bread of sincerity and truth, which obviously is represented uh, represented by matzah um, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In Galatians, Shaul talks about the hametz or sin of thinking you can learn, oh, thinking you can earn your salvation. So there are some people out there that you think that like, if you, if you're good enough, you'll be able to go to heaven. But what does Yeshua say? I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. I believe that's John 14, 6. Yes, there's a song to it. That's how I knew that off the top of my head. Um, in Galatians, Galatians 5, 5 through 9. You who are trying to be justified by the law, Torah, have been alienated from Hamashiach. You have fallen away from grace. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? 
That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast, or hametz, works through the whole batch of dough. And when Yeshua is speaking, he talks about other kinds of hametz. In Matthew 16, 6, he says, Be careful, Yeshua said to them, Be on your guard against the yeasts, or hametz, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, what, what in the world was the yeast or the sin of the Pharisees? When Yeshua confronts, we find this out when Yeshua confronts the teachers of the Torah and Pharisees, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, the Torah, and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law, the Torah, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you, teachers of the law, the Torah, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, the Torah, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law, the Torah, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you, teachers of the law, the Torah, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That was Matthew 23, 13 to 28. I apologize for not saying that beforehand. So the yeast of Hametz of the Pharisees was their hypocrisy and their wrong teaching. So not only are they being hypocrites themselves, but then they lead people to the Torah and teach them wrong, um, wrong teaching. So they look good on the outside, but were unclean inside. They followed the religious rules, but had no compassion in their hearts. They were to guide others toward Adonai. Instead, they were driving them away. And how often do we see that in the church? I know growing up, that actually was one of the deciding factors for me walking away from my relationship with um, God. As a teenager, I saw the hypocrisy in the church that I was growing up in. I didn't understand um, how they said one thing and then treated others another way. Um, for example, my friend at the time became pregnant out of wedlock. And to me, it's you are to go to that person and say, you have sinned, but God still loves you and still treating them with love and compassion. But what I saw from the people at the church is they simply ostracized her. And that made me very confused because I was always taught you were to treat others the way that you would like to, to be treated yourself and that you were supposed to love your, you know, your enemy. And she's not even an enemy. She's just somebody who chose to sin and now had to live with that blessing, but was also a consequence. And because of that, they decided to turn their backs on her instead of walk with her through her pregnancy and help in any way they, they could. Now, maybe they spoke to her and maybe she just wasn't repentant. I don't know. But from what I saw and from what I observed, the church turned their back on her. And because of that, I was very upset. I saw the hypocrisy that I was 
living with in the church that I grew up in, which was very heartbreaking because I love the church that I grew up in. It was really one of the happiest places um, of my childhood. Um, it was just a phenomenal church. I love the people there. I loved the kids I grew up with. Um, now, was it perfect? No, it definitely was not perfect because there were people in it. None of us is perfect. Um, but when I saw that the way that, that, that my friend was treated, who had grown up in that church the same as me, it, it really did it broke my heart. And I became angry with God. And I said, if you, you know, if this is how your church treats people, um, I want nothing to do with you because according to them, they're following you. So that in a nutshell was one of the main reasons I decided to walk away from my faith. Now it was a slow fade as uh, mentioned in the casting crown song called slow fade. You should check it out. Um, it wasn't instantaneous. It was over a bunch of years and um, multiple reasons, but that was kind of one of the nails in the coffin where I said, okay, I'm done. God, I'm, I want nothing to do with you. You exist and I acknowledge you, but I want nothing to do with you. And if I die tonight, I acknowledge that I'm going to hell. So that's a little bit of my, my background in the event that I have not shared that with you already. So we need to be very careful of hypocrisy. We need to be very careful about our actions as believers in Yeshua. Um, same as I, I also get upset when there are people who treat, um, people who live in the gay lifestyle as if they're lepers. Now that's not what God calls us to do. Now they're, they are choosing to live in a sinful way. This isn't like a one-time sin. It's a, I'm choosing to live in this lifestyle, even though I know that God expressly says that it's an abomination and that we should, you know, I should not live this way. And I'm choosing to do that. So it doesn't mean you ostracize them. It means that you love them and you tell them that what they're doing is wrong. But it also means that they don't necessarily have a place in leadership in the church. Now, if they want to come to your church, great. But they are not to be in leadership because in the Bible, it also talks about, um, I believe in Timothy, might be 2 Timothy, where it talks about what you are, um, how you are to live if you are to be in leadership as a believer in Yeshua and to be leading others. So... I just want to keep that in mind to be very careful uh, because people are watching. I was watching as a teenager and um, it can throw somebody's faith uh, off if they're not strong enough. And at the time, evidently, I was not strong enough. So what is the yeast of the Sadducees? This is what Shaul said about them. Acts 23, 8. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits. So the Sadducees questioned Yeshua about the resurrection, trying to trap him with an outlandish hypothetical situation. They soon found out that Yeshua thought what Yeshua thought of their Bible knowledge and their beliefs about God. Yeshua, this is Mark 12, 24 to 27, replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moshe? In the account of the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzhak, and the God of Yaakov. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. The yeast or the hametz of the Sadducees was wrong teaching about the resurrection and eternity. One of the most important teachings of Yeshua. So as we use candlelight to search our homes for hametz, let us also allow the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, to search our hearts and rid us of sin, hypocrisy, and wrong 
teach teaching. Now, how is Yeshua shown in the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Yeshua is completely without sin. Just as people search their homes for hametz, the enemies of Yeshua searched for sin or fault in him, but they couldn't find any. He is so pure that they could not even come up with a false accusation with which to condemn him. In Matthew 26, 59 through 60, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Yeshua so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Yeshua's body was broken and given to his friends, just as the matzah is broken and given during the Seder. During his last night with them, Yeshua gave his disciples an object lesson with the unleavened bread, the matzah, or the, of the Passover, Pesach meal. In Luke twenty-two nineteen, And he took the bread, the matzah, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Another way the matzah represents Yeshua is the absence of the destruction caused by decay. Hametz is a living fungus which eats and destroys the flour, releasing alcohol and carbon dioxide. Just as unleavened bread is not a subject to the effects of hametz, so also the sinless body of Yeshua did not decay. In fact, God raised him from the dead as he had promised. Shaul explains this in Acts 13, 34 to 37. The fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere. You will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Now, this one I thought was pretty interesting. She argues that Yeshua actually did participate in the purging uh, the house of yeast. I'm not so sure about the first example, so I'm actually going to just give you one. But um, Yeshua cleansed his father's house for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Hag Hamatzah was at the beginning of his ministry in John 2, 13 to 17. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, the Basach, Yeshua went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. I thought it was interesting. I never actually made the connection. That, that was actually uh, like right at the Passover time. So he's cleaning out his father's house, the temple, from everything that's, that's unclean. And that shouldn't be there because it's not supposed to be a market. It's supposed to be a place of worship. So I thought that was actually really interesting and a really good point. Um, Last point, how does this feast relate to the life of the believer? So the word of God teaches us that the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, lives inside each believer's body. We should honor him, keeping our bodies from sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The word also teaches that Adonai has great and holy purposes for us. If we clean, cleanse ourselves of sin, expose yourself to the candle and the feather, the light of God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. 
2 Timothy 2, 20-21. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. In the future, Adonai will remove the hamets of sin, frustration, and decay from all of creation, including our bodies, and bring in life and freedom. Romans 8, 20-23 For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hopes that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the Ruach, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So, when you celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, celebrate our sinless Savior and participate in the glorious freedom He brings by cleansing our homes and lives of yeast, chametz, sin. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with ironic blessing. Hopefully I do it better than last week. My husband said I was fading pretty fast by the time I did the ironic blessing. I was not feeling well because of my allergies. Um, it is a little bit better today. But the ironic blessing you will find in number 6, 24 to 26. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. I pray you have an excellent week, and I'll see you back here next week.